So this morning, we are going to go all the way back to Genesis. And my guess is that you are at least loosely familiar with how the first couple chapters of Scripture go. That you're at least loosely familiar with how Genesis starts and the story of creation that we find there in the first three chapters. This story of God bringing chaos to order. I mean, it's a crazy story if you go back and read it. It's it's a story that we love to tell children because it is just so hard to wrap your Wrap your mind around all that God does in just seven days, right? In just the first chapter of Scripture. And it really showcases this this creation power that we believe God holds in the palm of his hand. Really in the power of his voice. I mean, all of the cosmos comes to order with God simply speaking one phrase, right? Let there be light. And suddenly there was light. But I think there's more to this story than it just being a story of creation. I think it also tells us everything that we need to know about our origins as humans, right? About our past as humans. And I think it also tells us everything that we need to know about who it is that God is calling us to be. Who God created us to be and who God is continuing to call us to be. So my hope is that we could answer some of those questions this morning. But first, let's read it. We're just going to read the first five chapters. I don't want to read the whole chapter, uh, first chapter of Scripture, because it's a little long. But you can kind of get the gist of it in just the first five. So Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. The first verse of the first chapter of Scripture all the way to verse 4 of the second chapter of Genesis reads like this, like this cosmic poem where the narrative gets narrower and narrower, gets smaller and smaller and smaller as the days of creation go on until finally on the sixth day, it's, it's when humanity is finally created. And the cycle of creation that we find in this first chapter is also really easy for us to pick up on. Over and over and over again, God does three things. He names something, he separates it from something else, and then he what? He calls it good. Over and over and over again, lather, rinse, and repeat. I mean, that is the whole first chapter of Scripture. God naming, God separating, and then God deeming what he has just named and separated as something that is good. We get this same cycle for the water and the sky, for the water and the dry land, for the vegetation of the earth, for the sun and the moon, for the living creatures like the birds of the air and the sea monsters and the cattle and the creeping things, right? I mean, all of that language is found in this first chapter, all of the animals of the earth. 
And then the last is humankind. And we're a little bit different. We're, we're a little set apart from the rest of creation. And we know that from the very beginning because it says that what? That we are made in the image of God. But really, we blend in with the rest as far as the cycle goes. We're named male and female. We're separated as such. And then we, too, are called good. All of it is called good. And you might be thinking when you read this, of course it's good. Because there's no way that it is bad, right? I mean, it was made by God. It was formed by God's hands, spoken into existence by God's voice. Do we really think that God could actually make something bad? I mean, sometimes when I read this, it just feels a little bit redundant that after every single thing that is created, God has to take time to make sure that we know that this something is is good. That word good is a staple of our creation narrative. God names, God separates, and then God calls it good to deem whatever it is as something that is good. And and I think oftentimes we sell that word a little bit short of what all it encompasses in in this moment. The Hebrew word that we read there as good is a word that's spelled T-O-B, but you say the B like a V, so it's tov. Everything is tov. And it carries a couple of different meanings. One of them is probably what we think when we read that word, which is calling something categorically good, meaning that it is good and not bad. Like a bookshelf is good, or like a chair is good, or like a piece of pie that we are eating, like how this pie is is good. We use this language all the time. But another interpretation for this word is not in the categorical sense, but in the relational sense. You see, that Hebrew word tov is just as much about describing the relationship between two things as it is about calling something categorically good and not bad. So it's also about our relationship between us and that bookshelf that we are calling good, or us and that piece of pie, or us and our friends, or us and our spouse, or us and God, or us and creation. So when, if we read it like that and we, we look back at Genesis 1, suddenly we can see that God isn't just calling those things good, as in good, not bad, But it's also a commentary about God's relationship with those things. And it reads a little bit differently when we can see that. Because suddenly we can see that whether it is light or cattle or humans, that phrase that we find at the end of every cycle, and it was good, means that the connection between creator and creation was whole and complete and perfect. God created and then he called it good because it was and he intended it to be a good and whole and loving creation relationship with creation that he held for the all of all of eternity. But you know the story, right? You know that it isn't long before tov might not be the most accurate word to use to describe humans relationship with creation with one another or perhaps even with God. 
I remember sitting in my Old Testament seminary class one of the first days of our time together. It may have been our second class, and my professor, his name was Dr. Roy Heller, he completely changed the way that I read the Old Testament and how I viewed Scripture as a whole. And he asked someone in the class to read the first five words of Genesis, and he asked somebody else in the class to read the last five words of Genesis. The first five words are this, In the beginning God created. The last five words are in a coffin in Egypt. And then he asked us the question, how in the world in 50 chapters do we go from in the beginning God created to suddenly end up in a coffin in Egypt? How do we go from order out of chaos and the breath of God sweeping over the cosmos and God creating something out of nothing and light out of darkness and everything being in this good, right, and perfect relationship with the Creator to suddenly in a coffin in Egypt, which depicts death and the slavery that we know as the reader is on the horizon for God's people. And really, it's not just that change. In Genesis, just a few chapters after creation, there are stories of murder and and floods, of unfaithfulness and backstabbing and greed and selfishness that, that suddenly humanity seems to be able to carry within themselves. How do we make that jump in just 50 chapters? The short answer is sin. I think you all know that. The phrasing that we typically use within Genesis is the fall. The moment in the garden when Adam and Eve decided to go with the word of the serpent instead of following the direction of God. And it doesn't end well for either one of them. But, but the larger answer to that question, the answer that I hope that we can see this morning, is that we as humans started trying to do work that was really only intended for God. And the more that I thought about that this week, the more that I realized that I think that is at the root of most of our problems still today. Here's what I mean by that. Okay, stick with me. I'm going to try to put this all together for us. And this is, this is a sermon that has less illustrations, but I'm hoping that we can track with it together because we know this story so, so well. In Genesis 1, God creates by naming, separating, and deeming good. We've already been over that. In Genesis 2, we find another account of creation, Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. When God creates man, he realizes that it is not good for man to be alone. And God's response in this second account of creation is to make the animals of the ground. And I want us to read that moment together. It's in Genesis 2. It's verses 18 through 20. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for man, there was not a helper found as his partner. Do you see what's happening here in this second telling of creation? God suddenly is not the one doing the naming and the separating. Adam, man, humans are the ones doing the naming and the separating. 
And if you remember back to that first creation narrative, we find a moment like this in there too. It's just phrased a little bit differently. Humans are invited to have dominion over all of creation, to watch over and to care for, to organize the animals of the land and to care for the land itself. So that means that in both tellings of creation, in the first three chapters of our Bibles, humans are called by God to join him in that work of creation, naming and separating and caring for creation itself. And I think a lot of what it means that we are created in the image of God rests on our capacity to create as God creates, to create art and music, to build gardens and cities, to create families and homes. I think we bear the image of God the most when we are willing to be a people creating as God calls us to create, doing our best to steward over that gift of creation. There is only one thing that God asks humans not to do when they are in the garden under any circumstance. And you know what that is too, but we're going to read that moment as well. It's in Genesis 2, it's verses 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat it, you shall die. This is what I really want us to see this morning, and I'm hoping that it will allow you to see this creation story in a new and different and dynamic way, a way that perhaps has an impact on your life today. God calls humans to be co-creators with him, naming and separating, caring for and watching over all of creation. And that is work that we see God do and that also God calls us to join him in doing. But there is a part of that God work, right, that we were never intended to have our, our hand in. And it has to do with that word, good. It's the same word here used in chapter 2 that was used all the way back in chapter 1, that three-letter word, T-O-B, tov. And the connection to me became really clear. Adam and Eve were never supposed to be worried about calling something good or not good. They were never meant to judge things themselves or to judge the relationship between two things as good or not good. That was work that was only intended for God to do. And it becomes immediately apparent why, doesn't it? Because as soon as they eat the fruit, their eyes are opened. And the first thing they feel is shame. They're ashamed of their nakedness. And after they try and hide from God, they are kicked out of the garden. And then it's like we blink, and the next thing that we know, Cain is killing his brother Abel because Cain seems to think that Abel's relationship with God is better than his. And his solution to that is to just get rid of Abel altogether. At its core, Cain is engaging in that work of good or not good that was never, ever intended for humans to have any sort of hand in. And it seems to me that since the very beginning, really not much has changed. 
most of our conflict, most of our trouble, most of our pain, I think a lot of the sin that exists in the world, it stems in some capacity from humans engaging in work that was never meant for them, of judging something as good or not good. And even after all of the time that has passed between these first few chapters of Scripture and where we find ourselves today, where we are right now, it seems like really not much has changed. God calls us from the very beginning to be co-creators with him. How beautiful is that? It's what sets us apart from the rest of creation. That's how we are called to bear the image of God, to create and to follow our passions, to mold and to shape the gifts and graces that God has given each one of us, that that we all have to be willing to create something out of nothing, to use our vision and our energy to create in ways that care for creation and also point people towards God, to do so in ways that serve our neighbor and, and steward over creation. To trust that the image of God and that Holy Spirit is working and moving through us, equipping us for where God is calling us to go and be his people, to go and bear his image. But so often, instead of focusing on that, we get caught up thinking that we, for some reason, have the authority to call something good or not good. Instead of doing that beautiful work that God calls us to do, we decide to be judges. But the truth, and I think you know this, is that when we try and act as judges, when we engage in that work that God never meant for us to do, I think it makes it a whole lot harder for us to love our neighbor as ourself. And I was just thinking this week, what... What would happen if we stopped doing what God never intended for us to do? What would happen if we stopped trying to be judges and instead focused on that core calling that we find in Genesis 1 that is still the same today for us to go and be co-creators with God? What if we started trusting God to do that work of good and not good? And we instead focused solely on bearing the image of God the best that we possibly can. Knowing that if we do, it will point others towards the hope that we have found as our identity as one of God's children. Christ, in his final moments with us on earth, he calls his followers to do just that. The language is different, but the calling is exactly the same. Christ tells us to go and make disciples, to go and spread this message, to go and create communities of believers, to go and spread the good news by our speaking and by our living, to go and be a people who are caring for, watching over, and pouring into the world that we find around us. Christ calls us to go and have dominion over creation, to leave it better than we found it, to make sure the rest of creation knows about the hope that we have found in him. The charge from Jesus to us is the same that it is in Genesis, to not be judges, but to be creators. Creators of spaces, and opportunities, 
for our neighbors to hear the good news of the gospel. The truth that we, that we live by, that Christ is risen, that, that hope is alive, that redemption is here, trusting that if we will just do that, we trust that God will handle the rest. I mean, friends, is that not our calling? Is that not what we believe our mission is as followers of Jesus and as the church? Because when I look back in Genesis, I see that that was who we were created to be all along. So the question that I've been asking myself this week and that I would encourage you to ask yourself this week is what are you creating? How are you living into that calling that we find all the way back in Genesis 1 that Jesus reinforces right before he ascends to heaven? What are you creating? How are you bearing that image of God, that image that we know we hold that separates us from the whole rest of creation, that makes us different and able to be in relationship with God? And how is it pointing others around you towards the hope that we find in Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website, There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.